What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Uh. So midweek we had a podcast which was just Terence and I, and today we are back to having a guest, a very interesting guest, which is which is a follow up podcast to the podcast we did last week with uh, Pastor Norman and Tochen from True Love Is. Today, so during that podcast, um, we actually talked a lot about their approach to LGBT issues, um, but we totally recognize that we are not from the LGBT community. So to get the other side and to get another perspective, we have today a guest from the LGBT community. Uh, it is Mr. Sean Fu, the founder of Dear Straight People, which is Asia's largest LGBT platform. So welcome to Yalabad. Thank you for having me. Yeah, welcome. Uh, this is the first time we've met you in person. Yes. Uh, we've corresponded over WhatsApp, so thank you so much for coming. Yeah. Um, that was a very brief one-line description, <laughs> but what else would you like to add for our listeners? Uh, I, I think that, that was a brief description, but I mean, it, it sums me up very very nicely. I mean, I, I'm, uh, I don't really have anything to add to that. I'm a 29-year-old cis gay male and... Yeah, I started the Astro people. Oh, just for our yeah. audiences as well, what is, uh, when you say cis gay male, yeah, what does that mean? Okay, so yeah. I think um, sexual identity, I mean, sexual orientation and gender identity are two different things. Mm. Uh, okay? okay, so um, gay is my sexuality. Cis okay. male is my identity, which means that I identify as a guy. So mm. a cis male would be, I assume what both of you are as well. You are mm-hmm. born a guy and you identify with that gender. Okay. Mm. Uh, so a trans male would not have been born in um, their preferred gender. So, uh, okay. so a trans male would have been born, um, let's say, as a female, but they identify as, as a, a male, male, and then they'll be called a trans male. Trans Generally, male. that is the terminology. Okay. Uh, so yeah, cis male just refers to, to I guess us okay. So so cis means sort of means the physical aspect of is it the physical aspects of being. Uh, like like male no, it just it just means that you identify with your biological gender. Oh, okay, you identify with the oh, okay, okay. So it matches, it matches, oh, it matches. Oh, right. it matches okay, okay, okay. Identify with your biological gender. Okay, that's that's a very clear thing. Okay. So is it just cis and trans? Is there any other any other terms? <laughs> because honestly, this is exactly why we wanted to have you yeah. on board. Because all these questions, every time I read, I think I have a good understanding, and then I read something else, I'm like, fuck, I don't know anything. I mean, okay, as a cis male, my understanding of gender identity might not be the most um, in-depth because okay. I didn't struggle with my gender. What I okay. struggled mm. with was my sexuality. Okay. Um, so in general, I mean, if you ask me in answer to that question, I would say yes, um, it would be, you're either cis or you're trans. But I don't know, some, some, someone might come and correct me on that. So okay, 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 don't okay. take my word for fact. Okay. Got it, got it. So okay. So when you say you, uh, so you started Dear Straight People in 2015? 2015, correct. 2015. So it is essentially a platform based on what I saw that that tells the stories of people who were struggling with their sexuality, kind of advocates for LGBT issues. Yes, in a sense. So I think Dear Straight People, when it first started about five years ago, mm. um, it kind of um, made a name for itself with its coming out stories. Okay. Um, so uh, back then, uh, uh, is was popular for its Out of the Closet series, which basically featured um, Asian LGBTQ plus people from um, a variety of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, tried, and and what I did was I tried to tell the stories in 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 all its, for its complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think since then, it has since, I guess, progress into other types of content. Um, so not just coming out stories anymore. Um, I do vlogs, uh, perspective pieces, some of mm. them quite controversial. Um, so not everything is um, very politically correct anymore. Okay. Okay. So you you started it by, as a, it was a blog, was it? Or what was it? It started um, as a blog um, back when I was in university. Okay. And it has, uh, since 
it's more or less still, uh, I guess I call it a platform because okay. it's not like a personal thing. I think when mm, you think sure. of blog, you think of like, like you're talking about your life, your mm. food, your what, what food you eat, that kind of thing. But I think mm. Media Street is very not, um, it's not personality driven. Uh, in okay. sense. It's very much content driven. So okay. which social media platform is the most active for um, District people? Right Facebook. Now? So District people is, I think it's, it gets most of its reach from Facebook. Um, there's a YouTube channel which is like half dead because mm, okay. I don't have the, the resources to keep it going. Mm-hmm, um, okay. and, and I think recently I started to focus more on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. yeah, but I think primarily Facebook. So so just, just so we understand your story, is it possible just give us a, like you said you struggle with your sexuality, Correct. right? Uh, maybe just run us through what what you struggle, your struggle if, if it's possible to, and kind of show how that led to you starting DS3 People. Okay, um, I think for me, I I I first I first experienced same sex attraction when I was thirteen, mm. um, and my first reaction was actually panic, um, so I I went to read up on it and uh there was a book that I read that said that same sex attraction is a normal phase during puberty, mm-hmm. so that calmed me down and because at the time I was in an all boys school so I thought okay lah this makes sense I mean there's only guys around right mm. um so so I think I struggled with it for ten years and for me it wasn't religious religiously motivated it was more of like um, societal. Um, like you mean like I, the panic wasn't... The, no, it was oh. the panic and the struggle. So I think okay. back then, if you asked me during those 10 closeted years that I had, um, like if you if you asked me whether I was gay, I would very aggressively say no. Mm. So I, during that period of time, I dated girls and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and for me, it was very much societal. Like I didn't want to disappoint my parents and I just couldn't imagine a life being gay because to me, mm. that just means like a life of misery. Mm. You have no kids, you're going to end up alone and dead with HIV and, and that kind of thing. Because yeah. mm. um, that was the narrative that I grew up on. Right. Um, so I think it took me about a decade to finally come to terms with it when I was 23. Um, and for a lot of my friends back then, I was like the first gay person that they knew. Like mm. openly. Because my friends were not like fact hacks. You know, they didn't really mm. hang out with, they didn't have a lot of gay friends. So Wait, was, what's, what's the term you use? Sorry. Fact hacks. So that that is a, Okay, so yeah. fat hacks are basically girls who like to hang out with gay guys. Oh. <laughs> okay. um, so my friends are not that. Okay. Um, but your, your friends are mostly guys because like, it's boys. Yes, school. I had a lot of straight friends oh, okay. um, uh, and a few female friends. Okay. I mean, now my friends are mostly gay. Like, but <laughs> 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 but uh, back then, it was mostly straight. And so they were asking me a lot of questions, like, mm. like uh, weird questions. And I think that was when it dawned on me that there was no publication out there that mm. in Asia that was really speaking to gay audience. I mean, that was trying to be a bridge. Because mm. what I felt like, gay publications were primarily speaking to gay audiences. Like you had mm. like, I think those American publishers like Attitude. So if you go look at their site, it's like really topless guys with underwear and stuff. And I think like, even back then as a closeted gay, um, straight, as a closeted gay guy, mm. I, was, I would be very apprehensive when I go and look at those websites. Mm. Because like, I mean, as a straight guy, why would you go and look at all these articles like glamorizing all these hot, hot topless guys? Yeah. Yeah. So what I wanted to do with Dear Straight People was to kind of create a more neutral platform where it wouldn't be like, if you like the page means you are gay. You know, mm. It could just mean like you, you, you were interested in LGBT content. Sure, sure. Okay. okay. So, so then um, you started it, yeah, like started it like you wanted to take a more like how you say, uh, a, a bridge, like, be a bridge, right? So when you first started it, given that 2015 was already around the time where LGBT issues were becoming more more mainstream, more polarizing, right? Especially in Singapore. Or is that still, was that early? That was early. That was early. Yeah. So like when I did that, I think um, when I first started the Australia back then, 
so the first few articles had like no traction uh, but then it mm. only became viral when I did coming out stories mm. so the first three coming out stories all have about a thousand shares on mm, Facebook I see, I see. and that was during a time when Dear Street People had no Facebook page yeah. and that was that was a written written article written. they were okay. all written because okay. back then I didn't know how to do video yet yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, they had all like thousand over shares and that was because there was no media publication in Singapore that was doing this type of content. Mm-hmm. Now there are a lot of them who are doing this type of content but back then there was really no one. Okay. Um, so so when these stories came out it was like wow a very powerful thing. I think for a lot of people this was the first time they were seeing like a coming out story online. Mm-hmm. And, it, so, and it was just stories of people's struggles and just, just their story that's it. Yeah. Right? I mean okay. honestly if you ask me now like when I look back at it this because I think I was very inexperienced back then. A lot of these articles had no clear angle. It was just really okay. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but but they went viral nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that 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 showed um the value that they brought to the community lah. I mean, yeah. you said no clear angle, but at the same time, also there's the uh you you said you wanted it to be a bridge, uh, mm. and you came up with the name dear straight people. Correct. Was that a very deliberate thing that you wanted to uh, like? I mean, you want the straight people to actually read it as well, lah? Is it? Actually, when I first started it, it was more of like supposed to be a bit bitchy. It's supposed to be like oh. dear straight people, you know. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But over time, it became a bit more, I guess, in a sense, more inspirational in mm. a sense because I think that was the kind of content that I I got the most fulfillment from, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, okay. so what was the state of the the society's take on LGBT issues back in twenty fifteen? Because for the past few years, I mean, there's always talk about it. But in 2015, what was the landscape like? I would say the landscape was, I mean, it was quite empty. Like, mm. the, like now, I think like there are a lot of media publications, especially during Pride Month, everyone is doing LGBT content. Yeah. Mm. Um, and even coming out stories, like I see other publications doing them now, like especially in the last two to three years. Yeah. But back then, no one was doing it, I think. And it was, I think it was primarily because the LGBT community was not seen as... I feel like we were seen as a, like a charity case. Mm-hmm. We were not seen as like an interesting community with stories and like interesting stories to tell. But was it as polarizing back then? Or like what you said, because if it's seen as a charity, charity almost like there's this, oh, you know, poor thing, let's help them kind of thing. Whereas now the climate is like, okay, there's a lot of polarizing views. There's different camps. In 2015, was there much of that? In 2015, no, because the content that I did back then was very safe. Mm. like it was just like coming out stories and the angles were very safe it's just like maybe a gay guy talking about how he was bullied in school and now he's openly gay and now he's happy I mean it's not a polarizing subject like, as compared to something like True Love Is which mm. I did recently mm. which got a much more polarizing well, what a segue into the, the, <laughs> that <laughs> stuff that we wanted to talk about <laughs> we so, were just still serving the starters yeah that that's why appetizers no he's like I'm hungry <laughs> man bring the main course <laughs> <laughs> so so you did mention uh, before this or I did see online also that your first correspondence with True Love is happened in 2017. No. First where, correspondence. No, uh, like um, when, when Facebook did an announcement against... Uh, oh, no, that was last month. Oh, that was last month. Oh, man. God damn, I'm losing Wait, Sorry, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. So, okay. So then maybe you can give us some history on, okay. on you, uh, Dear Street People and True Love is. Okay. Um, so... True Love Is came out in 2018. Mm-hmm. I knew about them, but I never covered them before because personally, I was a bit afraid of tackling religion. Mm. Um, but then early last month, um, Facebook and Instagram announced that they would be banning content promoting conversion therapy. Mm. Okay. Um, so in response, Dear Street People published a post that suggested that True Love Is should come under that ban. Mm-hmm. Um, so back when I published that, um, that post, I think I... I, I was of the stance that 
what True Lovist was doing was insidious and that mm. what they did amounted to modern conversion therapy. Mm. Okay. Um, but obviously that post um, caused quite a stir and it attracted a lot of comments from True Lovist supporters who felt like their straight people was invalidating their, their stories. Yeah. And, and, and when I read some of their comments, um, I decided to reach out um, to Pastor Iento, who mm. is the co-founder or founder of um, 316 Church, which is the church yep. behind True Lovist. And I also reached out to Jason Lim, who mm. was um, an ex-feature of one of the videos. Yeah. Um, so I then proceeded to publish an article um, based on my interviews with them. And that and the aim of that article was really to try to, in a sense, build a conversation on mm. this topic and try to um, build greater understanding between both sides. Um, but the article got quite a divided response. Mm. Um, so on one end, I had people who like um, either com- commented or they reached out to me personally who commended my effort in, produ- in producing a mature and... Um, more nuanced perspective on this rather controversial topic. Yeah. And on the other hand, there were also people who were very upset that Dear Street People um, did this article, I think for primarily two reasons. Um, firstly, there were some who were unhappy that Dear Street People gave True Levis a voice, like an additional mm. voice. Mm-hmm. And then there were others who also felt like that, that article kind of validated True Love is perspective and it was dangerous and had detrimental effects to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so like so I it was quite a polarizing reaction in that sense. Lah. Mm-hmm. And I get I think in a sense it was quite similar to to, to what happened to you guys, you know, like your first your mm-hmm. your shit on them. Mm-hmm. And after that you reach out to them and then now you reach the more <laughs> a more moderate stance. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to clarify, well, we we I mean we didn't really shit on them so much. Uh. No, I mean we, we shared on their video. <laughs> yeah, on the video. <laughs> and like, and yeah, I would yeah. say after the conversation, my perspectives have evolved. But like I said at the end of that podcast, I still have a stance there, and and this is up to me to find a way to articulate their what they do like, because they do have a very coherent value proposition that I'm still wrapping my head around. So mm-hmm. and I remember reading your article. Yeah, it kind of had that same nuanced thing where yeah you can you can understand where they are coming from um and and stuff like that so so that's why uh, when you say polarizing then then what happened after that caused some polarity i mean in in a sense like you mean those people who disagree with me yeah yeah. i mean (laughs) i'm the kind of person that i don't really have a lot of energy to argue with people over the internet Mm. um so you also don't see just people commenting on the post um but i mean like for example i had one guy who who commented on the post saying that this article is literally dangerous the rdbd community and then he proceeded Mm. to unfollow me and i mean like unfollow me on instagram Mm. um so i mean and then there was another guy who re- who gave me a very long essay and after I, I argued with him for a bit, I was like, I think you should just talk to Pastor Ian mm. yourself and get a, a much better perspective. Because I feel like um, these people who were off the stance that True Lovis should be cancelled, yeah. I I think it's very hard to have a conversation with someone when their mind is already made up. Mm. Yeah. But actually, can I just ask, you said you were, uh, initially you knew about True Love is but you were slightly fearful of go- stepping onto the religious. Yes. That they're talking about that religion. Uh. Mm. Um, is there a reason why specifically? Like, because you, you were afraid that, you know, it's a very polarizing topic or, or what, what, what was it that was scaring you? Uh? I think religion in general is a touchy subject in Singapore. Mm. <laughs> correct, correct. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it is protected by, by law correct. and stuff like that as well. Like, right. And I feel like 
as content creators, you never know when you might step over the line. Mm. Okay, okay. So to be safe, then sorry. I... So it wasn't a thing that you had religious friends or family or anything that, that stopped you from, no. from broaching a topic. So, uh. so what's what's your background in religion or what's your religious belief? Or My religious belief is um, quite similar to yours. I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe in a higher power, but I don't believe, particularly believe in anything. Were you were you born mm. into a religion or free thinking? No, like I, was, I was free thinking all the way. I see, mm. I see. So, so when you said initially when you saw True Love Is and you thought it was insidious and all, what what was the the reason for thinking that? I think it was from watching their videos. So okay, personally, I was someone who struggled a lot with my sexuality, mm-hmm. um, not because of religious reasons, but because of societal reasons. And I think there's a lot of similarities between me and and the subjects of these videos. So I mm-hmm. felt like what True Love Is was doing was that they were perpetuating a belief, um, that same sex attraction is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know technically when you their stance is that we don't believe same-sex attraction is wrong. We just believe acting on the same-sex attraction is wrong. Mm. But overall, it's, mean, it's a technicality. Yeah, it's a technicality. You know, um. So so that was my and I also didn't. I also felt like, um, they were like because they kind of appropriated the pride flag mm. as their logo, mm. um, and as they said in your podcast, to them, the their flag has seven colors. The pride flag has six colors. To be honest, as someone who I think because of my work with the straight people, I'm quite involved with, with the LGBT community and I never knew that the Pride Flag had six colors until mm. that Joy Nothing video came out. Mm. <laughs> and I think if you were to have a sample size of like 100 people, maybe yeah. 90 of them would tell you they have no idea that the Pride Flag has six colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we wouldn't notice that. Like, now if you ask me to name the six colors, I also don't know what the colors are. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we just know that it's a rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like they were trying because I think from their point of view they were only reaching out to LGBT Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was something that you guys said in your podcast which I really agree with, in the sense that you cannot put out content and then ring fence it and say that yeah. it's only for a particular segment because mm-hmm. no, you're 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 spreading content and a lot of time you're sponsoring that content. Like True Love's videos always appear on my newsfeed, even though I don't follow their page. Mm-hmm. Um so in a sense they were perpetuating that belief that uh that being LGBT was wrong, mm. and and that was my stance back then. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and what was the the general stance of the community as well? Was it very like everyone was on the same page that in true love is is messed up, is insidious, and all that? Or even back then, was there differing opinions? I would say that back then, two years ago, the st- um, I think maybe most people would have been on um, of the stance that true love is insidious and that they should be cancelled. Mm-hmm. But now, I think. Um, as greater understanding of what they are doing and where they are coming from is developing, I think there is a much more divided stance. So and this is within the LGBT within the LGBT community. So okay. I think mm-hmm. the reaction to my article, I mean, kind of illustrated that like, there were some people like me who took on a moderate strand, a moderate stance in the sense yeah. that, okay, we believe that if you want to, it's fine if you want to practice your religious belief and that is your religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are also others who feel like, no, what they're doing is conversion therapy and mm-hmm. it's harmful and they should be cancelled. Okay. okay. What was the most, um, I mean, you said you, you reached out to them and everything. Uh, what was the most surprising thing about them as people that that uh, you, you came out from the meeting? Uh, what was the most surprising, the thing that surprised you the most about them? Like maybe something that you expected them to be, but they weren't or what? Okay, I would say that in my conversation with Jason, who, uh, um, okay, so so the true love is doctrine is such that 
they don't same sex attraction is not wrong, but acting on that same sex attraction is mm. wrong. Mm. So when you have that belief, you either go on two routes. You either become celibate, or you try to become heterosexual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, for me, I like because I, I, I can empathize with what it means to to struggle with your sexuality. So I don't mm. understand why someone would want to choose this route, which to mm. me is tough. It's cel- being celibate, uh, yeah, being it, uh, celibate yeah. or being heterosexual. Or trying to be trying heterosexual, to, okay, okay. right? Um, so when I was interviewing Jason, mm. I was also telling him that do you know that there are other ways to reconcile your sexuality with your religious belief? Mm. So one one would be um, Ugachaga, which is a um, counseling center for mm. the LGBT community, mm-hmm. and then the other one is Free Community Church, yeah. which um, whose interpretation of Christianity is such that the LGBT community is not sinful and they do encourage their members to form healthy same-sex mm-hmm. relationships. Yep. So, I mean, if I was Christian, I, I mean, wouldn't that be the easier route? Correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I told him and he was aware of that. He was aware of these easier alternatives, but for whatever reason, they weren't, he was unable to reconcile them with his own personal beliefs of, of the Bible, mm. um, and which is why he decided to go with the true love is... Um, so that was surprising yeah. to you. That was surprising to me because I've always I was always under the impression that all these people who were who were featured in the video did not know that actually there is a way to reconcile um, your Christian your religion with your sexuality. Like there's a church out there that can help you do that. Because mm-hmm. um, I didn't understand why anyone wanted to put themselves through this and and like in a sense condemn themselves to a life of celibacy or or solitude. Mm. I see, I see. So that was surprising to me. I see, I see. I, I'm only asking because uh yeah, for for even for me meeting them and talking to them and all was um I was very surprised at how logical some a lot of the arguments are. I mean, you can say it's preparation and everything, but it really comes out it feels almost genuinely that they really do believe it and it's a lot of the uh, the stuff they say is grounded in logic. Like I tried to poke holes around it and I realized oh you know, I'm I'm sort of I, I don't have anything else to poke. And what was your your take on after meeting them? I mean, similarly, they are very polished. Um, and I think so that's where that's where I kind of struggle. Is like they are they are so polished, they are so coherent. Is it is it more a consequence of them being like they've like just practiced, I don't know, answering all these questions, like they got a tenure series of questions <laughs> or some some shit and like same thing, like I, I still at the end of the podcast, I still disagree with their approach. But if you ask me to articulate why, right, it's not that easy for me. And to a certain extent, I was like, fuck, why, why can't I do this? Why can't I do this? And I mean, it was very nice to see on our subreddit uh, a very lively discussion that took many alternative viewpoints and kind of poke, um, like kind of uh, called out certain analogies that were not the most accurate. Um, uh, for example, there was one, I think that's it, you know, like uh, the, how if truelove.is makes videos that are targeting a certain group, what's wrong with that? Then the guy compared it, compared it to ISIS videos. So someone rightly pointed out in the Reddit that, okay, those that's not the best analogy because ISIS literally preaches violence and harm towards non-believers. Um, so that's actually harming people. So I was happy to see that sort of discussion. And at the end of the podcast, I would say it was enlightening. It left me uncomfortable, but I'm still happy we did it because... I feel that, like what you said, uh, your goal for the Australian people is to build a bridge and to let each party understand them better. So that was how I left it. But you listened to the podcast, right? Yep. Um, what was your overall take on on how th- these two cis male heterosexual men <laughs> uh, conducted it uh, with uh, around a topic that concerning a community that we are not part of? I I I think you did a good job. 
Uh, can be honest one you want to like, <laughs> yeah, shit yeah, on yeah, us yeah. now is the time bro yeah. no 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 I mean honestly okay I felt like it was a well balanced um, conversation I think um, both um, both sides managed to bring in quite insightful points um, and I think even in um, y'all did a good job in towing the line between understanding them and challenging them mm. um, I think there were some parts where I felt like y'all could have pushed them further mm-hmm. um, but I think that could also be for example like when they talk about the pride flag and the technicality mm-hmm. with it then I think y'all wouldn't be aware of the fact that most LGBT people also don't know how many co- how many mm-hmm. colors are in the flag so I think right. that is understandable in, 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 in ways but I think overall it was a good example of what a conversation should be like mm-hmm. um, which is you know um, raising insight uh, allowing both sides to raise insightful points of view and also um, especially with a uh, subject as controversial as them, to give them that platform to understand, yeah. uh, and but also challenge them. Okay, okay but but okay. also just so just building on the fact that Harish walked away feeling like he disagreed, but he's not hundred percent sure Why? what you disagree <laughs> with. <laughs> did, when you met True Love and everything, do you what what do you walk away from it? Like, do you agree with that? Maybe there is this approach that I have never thought of, or or what? What was it that the the biggest aha thing that came up for you? I think for me, because my... Okay, so I interviewed two different people from who you're interviewing. Mm, the mm. people that I interviewed was Pastor Ian and Jason Lim. Um, but the conversation flowed pretty much the same way. Mm. Um, and I, I, I can understand what Harish means because I kind of felt the same way in the sense that my stance, my... I have a very... Um, like I have very complicated feelings towards them. But mm. overall, I would say I, I respect their religious right and their religious freedom. But I also disagree with um, certain things and how they were justifying certain things because I feel like in all the ways um, they were they were smoking. Mm. Like they were playing mm. around with the questions, you know. Mm. And... and any any specific uh, thing that you can remember? So I think I think okay. One thing about the podcast that leapt out to me was that Tochan kept saying. Well, now I feel like I'm attacking them. Okay, no, no, wait, no, no, but, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's important fine, because yeah. I'm also trying to be. People did. Uh, I will quote people verbatim saying that we did not hold their feet to the fire yeah. as we should have in certain points. Yeah. So I also am trying to understand that. And then uh, full confession, I also used to be Christian and everything. Okay. So I walked away. Or walk away. I don't want to make it sound like that. <laughs> I just I just decided I did I didn't I wasn't. They're gonna call you to back, it. bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so I I also want to make sure that it's not because I'm like I want just I'm because I'm like trying to defend the old faith or anything like that. <laughs> so I just want to understand where we we could have done it. No, better. and so, you have to understand that I said that the video was disgusting and the video had Tochen and he still uh came and that's what I respect la. Like yeah. I literally call them disgusting and yeah. so I think whatever you say now they will appreciate the feed the, the comment and they won't yeah. they won't yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay yeah. okay let's try um so okay I think Toton mentioned a lot that he was just telling his own story mm. but I think you cannot you cannot really frame it like that because you're not just telling your own story you're putting your story on a very popular platform mm. and I think one thing that everyone is can agree with and is always impressed by is just how how high the production value the visuals, is. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. everything, like everything about this video is designed to tell a story and convey a message. Mm. And I think as content creators, I think you, you all will understand that not everyone knows how to create content mm. and not everyone knows how to create content well. And True Love is 
does it very well. Yeah. You know, like for example, when Tochen was telling his video, like I was so amazed. There was one scene when he was talking about sexual addiction and then they brought all these candy as props. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. And they were yeah. eating it and I was like, wow, I wish I had that kind of budget for this right before. Um, and they threw it away. They didn't, he didn't even yeah, finish it. Like, they threw it away. Oh my God. Like I think for me, right, if, if I ever did that and then like my team, I would, we will all eat it. <laughs> you will take it home. Yeah, we'll take it home and tap out and like uh, you know, uh, we don't have the kind of budget to just throw food away, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um. And so that was one thing that I felt, and also like I think everything about the music and lighting. So when he was mm. talking about his sexuality, the music is always very ominous. The lighting is very dark. Then mm. the minute he finds Christ, everything becomes very light, mm. very happy. Correct, correct. So you cannot say that you are just telling your story. You are telling your story with a purpose to influence the viewer to convince them that what you believe is correct. Mm. 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 And I it's see. not shown private. It's not shown privately. Like we it's said. not shown it's privately shown anymore. In sponsored ads and everything. And everything well. was so like, like it was, it was polished. Like, like mm. I think, um, like obviously they have like a director, scriptwriter, mm, you know, they have different people for different roles. It's not like just Rebo when I do one video, right? It's a very, very yeah. lean team. <laughs> true, true. Yeah. But, but yeah. so in that case, um, Let's say you rewind back to when you were in school and struggling with sexuality and all that. Yep. Uh, and then you saw a video like this. What, what do you think your reaction would have been? Uh? It would have, it would have spoke to me in, but I feel like, okay, if let's say back then, because I think when you are closeted and you're struggling with your sexuality, there's a mm. certain amount of self-loathing that you go through, mm. right? Um, so if back then and I saw that video and I was already conflicted and, and then they said, oh, you will no longer f- like hate yourself or, mm. or whatever if you come to this church or you follow Christ. I might have gone to that church mm. and then my life would have turned out very, very differently. Different, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I think that these stories or the content that True Love's videos they put out, um, whether intentional or not, um, they do feed into that narrative that mm. the LGBT community is immoral or deviant or, yeah. you know. And I, I think I, I, do, I do get your point about the, the rainbow. Like we did, we can talk, you can talk logically about, oh, you know, anyone can use the rainbow, but it seems, it's a quite a passive aggressive maneuver, right? Yeah. To take someone's uh, a logo that someone has been using for so long and use it and use it in another way. Correct. So, so uh, I, I think that's one thing uh, in the podcast where, although they gave us a very logical argument about it, where we didn't just point out, hey, I mean, it's yeah. quite aggressive. Like, it's like Manchester United fan, like, just because it's red color, then you walk into Liverpool. No, we try, make, we try <laughs> and make the, the flag of MOF like red and white with one crescent and four stars, uh. Then we see mm. how soon it is before the government comes and fucks oh, yeah, us yeah, out. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there is a there is a bit of passive yeah. aggressiveness in them in there that pits one group against another, la, which is uh, can be quite dangerous, like You know, when whenever you're doing when you start polarizing people like that. Yeah. Like. The the one thing that did make me feel better is that I mean this podcast is not going to be a one off. We might very well get them Back. on again <laughs> because mm. th- that's why we we so wanted to talk to someone like you because the point you just said about how you pair like the music and the visuals with what you're saying subconsciously it does affect people that's what any filmmaker understands right and and you saying that actually makes a lot of sense and i wish that that was something that occurred to me so in future when we bring them back we want to ask these sort of questions because we are also learning about all this and we don't deny the fact that we are noobs on this issue in many ways mm. so that's why we we that's how i kind of make myself feel better like this is not the end this is the start of the conversation <laughs> <laughs> but so so since you've had that conversation of true love everything where on the spectrum of like activism, LGBT activism, do you think you are right now? Do I'm sure I'm sure within the community also there there's 
people have there there's also sort of a spectrum of how people uh react to things like true love and Correct. like that. Where where do you think you stand right now? Me, I would say I'm like moderate. Moderate. Moderate okay. left. Moderate <laughs> so left. moderate. So okay. how would you explain that in the spectrum of uh LGBT, LGBT advocacy? Yeah. Yeah. So if there's left to like center to right, mm. yeah. I would be like in the middle between far left and moderate yeah but left what would left be like the left would be the cancel people, true love correct, it would be cancel true love is um no no matter how they try to justify it, they are mm. harming the lgbt community with their beliefs because at the end of the day they are still saying that being lgbt is wrong mm. right because even though if they say that same-sex attraction itself is not wrong but i mean as humans i think your sexuality is part of 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 you la. so mm. if you cannot act on it then you're pretty much denying like a large part of your life because that feeds into a lot of things yeah right yeah. Mm. um so so the far left would be like they would be quite adamant la, in the sense mm. that there'll be zero empathy for for whatever true love is doing okay mm. so, so like because you've been doing um, activism for quite a while and you did have a struggle for a long time do you see generally people who face issues or advocates do they do their beliefs evolve like yours have, or, or more often than not, it gets even more polarized? I think it depends on the person. Mm. I feel like it also depends. I think certain people, um, for example, if they are particularly triggered by true love, is maybe it's because they had experience with conversion therapy or they had mm. experience with religion. But for me, I had experience with neither. So okay. maybe that was why I was not as triggered and why I was able to eventually evolve my opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think someone, if like it's something that really affected you back then, and and it's like your trigger point, then it will be harder for you to kind of change your opinion. So okay, so you've mentioned this term conversion therapy um a few times, and it came up briefly in the previous podcast. So as noobs, I'm a I'm a noob, I've heard it before. I kind of understand what it means, but are you able to give like a overview of that term? Okay, so one thing I agree with, I think I don't remember who said it. Uh, Norman or Tochen was that there is no clear definition on what conversion therapy is. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is clear is that um, regardless of con- the, the program or whatever, conversion therapy is just primarily based on the bogus ideology that LGBT people are broken and need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Okay. And I think if you use that definition, then you can put true love under that because in a sense, mm-hmm. they are trying to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think what what is um, a common misconception is that when a lot of LGBT people say that conversion, um, true love is conversion therapy, they don't mean it in the traditional sense. Because I think mm-hmm. when you think of traditional conversion therapy, you think about electrocution and those very extreme kind of practices. Yeah. Um, but I think in this day and age, I don't foresee any institution even daring to do that because the minute you do that, because it's such a widely discredited practice. Yeah. Yeah. If you do that, you're, you'll get yourself in jail. Correct. And right? that practice has been good. Like when you refer to the practice, it means like even in medieval times and all like as far back as that or? No, man. Well, no, I don't 70s, think medieval yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Maybe yeah. just even last decade, like during yeah. the 90s. Last decade, okay. Yeah, during the 90s or even the early 2000s, I think yeah. conversion therapy was still a thing. I'm not sure if it was really a thing in Asia, mm. but it was it was quite big in America. Yeah. Um, okay. there, there are quite a few movies made about this topic. Uh, even oh. university departments, they were testing like gay conversion therapy. Oh, really? Using ele- electrocution and stuff. Ele- electrodes in the brain and all that. I, I was reading something quite Dang. recently. Though. Yeah. But, but it was, I mean, is I mean, we're talking about like Tulane University psychiatric head of, head of psychiatric department in the yeah. 70s. That kind of nonsense. Uh. Yeah, yeah, Damn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so when you say, so, that means I generally because for I've heard the term before and I've also heard the electrocution term. Um, and you're saying that there were you're not so sure about how it was in Asia. So do you think that is a 
a point of contention that feels like the lack of understanding is causing a rift? I think it's causing a rift and it's also, in a sense, it also allows true lovers to justify that they're doing because there's no clear definition. Mm. Um, they're able to say, see, what we're doing is not true love. What we are doing is not covenant therapy. We don't have like a 10-step program. Okay. You know? okay. Um, but I think, I think like if you were to ask me, I mean, this is just my own view. I would say that if you really want to sum up conversion therapy, it is just based on the ideology that LGBT people are broken and need to be fixed. Okay. So, um. so yeah, you, you it's, it's quite interesting you say that yeah, like they don't have a 10-step program or anything like that. So yeah, another thing that surprised me was that basically, uh, you know, what is true love is this uh, goal. Uh, you know, mm. they make nice videos. But after that, what do you do? You know, you go to church or do what? And then actually, even if you go to church, they, they don't talk to you as a special person or anything. That's what they said. Um, but for you, for dear straight people, like what is, is there a larger long-term goal that you're thinking of like that you hope, um, you know, uh, will happen that maybe one day Pink Dot people and True Love East people can all come together in the same room and, and all be fine? Or what, what is the your call to action, uh, so to speak, when, you, when people interact with your platform? I think for me, it's just to, I mean, because I think primarily, I, I wouldn't really... Um, call myself an activist like I'm more of a content person so mm. I'm excited by good content and okay. things like that um, so so that is my goal it's really just to to either inspire people or to engage or to or to you know spark conversations okay. so to me covering True Love is was was um, to me it was good content uh, and a good conversation to be had mm-hmm. um, but in terms of like long term overarching goal uh, no I, n- I never think so so far <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then you've been doing this for five years, like, right? So one thing that, I mean, not just LGBT issues, well, when I look at it, I mean, we recently we also had Narelle and Siashwe on the podcast to talk about their differing views and it feels like people are moving further apart than coming together in the middle. And these are just for all issues. So for LGBT issues, right, what's your take on the past five years? Do you think, like, I really respect what you're doing, but do you mm. think it is something that like, okay, we also, I would like to say we try to bring people together, but feel sometimes that we are pushing people apart. Mm. So what's your take over the past five years? I feel like over the past five years, I actually felt there was a lot of progress mm. for the LGBT community. It's no longer such a taboo subject. Yeah. And like even recently, I think Straits Times, um, one of the mainstream media outlets, they made news because they featured like a gay couple mm-hmm. celebrating NDP overseas. Mm. in yeah, a positive yeah, so that, light yeah, yeah. Mm. and that was like wow it was like monumental that, this would not have happened like five years ago mm-hmm. so I think there's definitely have been progress but at the same time I think because in a sense the, the conversation is moving it's, it has moved way past coming out stories yeah. so now it's moving into like these kind of subjects so you're going to, always going to get polarizing views um, but I think I feel like moving forward I think this type of conversation where you're trying to um, you're trying to see the other party Mm. Um, as as an actual human being with lived experiences as compared to just a set of ideologies because mm. I think the minute you see them as like a set of ideologies then it becomes like a shouting match it becomes like I'm right you're wrong yeah. and then I just feel like disagreements without any understanding is quite pointless la. Mm-hmm. whereas if you try to see them as 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 people um, and you try to understand where they're coming from I mean like um, then I think that in a sense will help to bring people together and, and in a sense that is also kind of what I'm trying to do with Dear Straight People and with mm. that True Lovis article recently yeah. okay mm. so, so is it possible for I mean I'm just asking because we are not part of the, the LGBT community yep. is it possible for someone within the community to support both Pink Dot and True Love Is 
at the same time. And and the and basically support the coexistence of both things. Lah. Okay, uh I don't <laughs> okay, so I think um a common misconception is that uh, people always look at the LGBT community as a single entity. Okay. But like like DS Repo in Pink Dot is like separate. So I don't know what they're doing. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, <laughs> like, sorry. I, 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 I think I, I generalized that. I mean I mean one of those I have gone for Pink Dot before. Yeah. Uh, and admittedly I, I sort of just like, oh okay. No, Saturday, no, it's very common. I, like, I always get these kind of questions. But honestly, yeah. I was gonna ask a similar question. <laughs> so I'm happy Terrence to get to the bullet. So like I think what what for my like I have a vague understanding of how Pink Dot works like it's mm. a committee but the people there are not the same like sometimes it changes people come in and out of the committee mm, yeah, it's more yeah. like a CCA like it's not a, oh, yeah. what, a CCA it's That's, more like a CCA like they, so okay so then along those lines right what are some of the biggest misconceptions that noobs like us have that you feel like you have tried so hard to write on your blog but people still don't fucking get it yeah it will be dead. There's <laughs> <laughs> all one like, that we are one big entity, <laughs> and like every time when I get interviewed, like they always ask me questions to pertain to the LGBT community as a whole, and I always find it very hard to answer because like the LGBT community itself is very diverse. Mm. Um, even like I think you know not everyone in the LGBT community is a liberal. There yep. are some right leaning LGBT people, yep. and even culturally, gay culture is very different from lesbian culture. Mm. We don't hang out in the same spaces. Yeah. Um. So, so it's a very diverse community, and like I think asking me like, oh, like what Pink Dot is up to is kind of like me asking you, what is NOC doing or what is Smart Local doing? Oh, I can, you know? I can tell you. Yeah, we in shake calendars, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we don't. Yeah, it's great. No, no, it's a, that's a great very energy. Point, it's yeah. a very good energy. We all release videos. We all we all content creators, influencers in a way, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very well, different, very different. We just well, gonna school. Yeah, no, and well, you gonna school, Terence. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you ask that kind of new question. No, so, 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 I mean, broadly speaking, we know we were speaking about spectrum earlier. Mm. Just if, if, where does, like, uh, so if dear straight people is, so okay, moderate, la, somewhere mm. in the middle, then where does Pink Dot, I mean, True Love probably is, yeah, la, one spectrum. So where does Pink Dot actually lie in that, that sense? Uh? And I guess understanding that Pink Dot is still made of different people, yeah. but the general voice of Pink yeah. Dot. In, in your opinion, like in your opinion. In my yeah. opinion. Yeah, yeah, in your okay. opinion. Yeah. Um, Pink Dot. <laughs> um, Pink Dot, I would say they're left, but because they are more, they're very focused on a singular goal, right? Which mm. is to advance LGBT rights. Mm. So whatever um, content or videos that they put out is always going to be rather safe. Like it will, it will just be a very overarching kind of left. So yeah. whether I'm sure, cause I think I know some of them in the committee and some of okay. them are very far left and some are not as far left. Mm. Wait, so, so when you say rights, you mean like stuff like repealing 377A? Yeah. Okay, okay. So very focused on policies and that kind of pushing that narrative forward. Got it, got it. Okay. At least that's what I think they're okay. doing. I mm. see, I see. Uh, okay. No, it's so, interesting because yeah, I when I have gone to Ping Dot, and then, you know, the part where everyone sings Madrula Singapura. Uh. Then I remember someone turned to me and said, thank you for coming. <laughs> then I was like, uh, <laughs> my wife kind of like, yeah, la, she she asked me to come. La. I just came along with her. And then what do you say? You just say you're welcome, right? <laughs> you didn't say that, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's like for, for street people, it's, it's. I mean, if you want to support us, so, but but then I like, like you said, I also have gay friends who want to go to church and everything, right? You know, and they don't go to Pink Dot. Nah, I mean, I'm in no position to say, hey, Shouldn't you be a ping dog with me? You know, I'm going this weekend, that kind of thing. Okay. That's why I've always like try to understand 
you know, in the spectrum of, of things, like, I'm sure there are different opinions about it as well. Like, so it does mm. help straight people like us yeah. not sound like such idiots or so <laughs> when thinking about these topics. <laughs> uh. But yeah, it felt yeah, so heroic. Exactly. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> then you go to bed at night there, you just smile in your sleep, right? Yeah. No, so, so, you know, now like, um, there's a lot more activism in the younger generation and Correct. there's a lot of people speaking on behalf of other communities, right? Mm. And I, I, I respect people who do that, but sometimes I feel like um, is that the best? Are they doing the best possible job? So, what in your opinion, right, is the biggest issue with people who are like, "I'm not from the community, but I want to support the community." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I understood that question until the last part. So, yeah. So, like, who, who are some examples? Like, no. So, I would say, okay, basically on social media, sometimes, like, okay, there were people on my um uh, newsfeed also who were saying, you know, like, true love is is insidious, and you know, we should support Pink Dot, but. They are not. I know they are not from the community, okay. and sometimes I feel the way they approach it, it is very destructive, and it and it really polarizes people. Mm. So to me, I'm like, is that really the best way to go about it? Um, take for example, I mean, not LGBT issue mm. related, but for Sashwe and Narel, the reason we brought them on was because, yeah, I mean, are you familiar with the whole thing that transpired between the two of them? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. So to me, it was like, okay, here are two people with very differing opinions. Um. I was so happy when they came together, had the conversation, conversation over WhatsApp, but by the end of it, they seemed further apart. They seemed like their communities were further apart, their fans were further apart. I'm like, fuck, that felt like it had a net negative effect. Mm. And they were both speaking on behalf, I mean, to a certain extent, on behalf of communities that they were not part of. So in your opinion, do you see that as a problem or you, or you think just awareness to the issues um, at this point is important? Like we need to, like we are, we are basically swinging uh, a swinging pendulum la, and mm. all awareness to LGBT issues regardless of it's destructive, polarizing, is still better than not and it will correct itself I over think, time. I think some conversation is always better than nothing. Okay. Um, um, I mean, I feel like especially because for the LGBT community, we are a very marginalized community so we already have a lack of visibility mm. and representation and I think that the fact that there's now more in a sense interest and awareness I think that's a good thing overall yeah. but I get your point about like like when you feel like it's, it's certain forms of activism like is it actually helping or is mm-hmm. it like the person just say then they're happy yeah, yeah. right I get more likes yeah I get shares, more yeah. likes then they feel happy but actually like who are you actually talking to yeah, yeah. right um, and I think that is I think that, that's an, a general issue you know I think um when it comes to like topics like this, I think um, it's the whole issue of um, echo chambers. Mm. I think, and it doesn't help that social media facilitates echo chambers. Mm. You know, like you're free to like block, unfollow, or mute whoever you don't want to to mm. agree with, and 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 that is that is harmful to to the to the conversation sure. uh, because the your your discussion is not reaching the right people. Like mm. the only people it's reaching is that people who already agree with you, right? Um, but I think also um, moving forward, I feel like I feel like people are also I, I'm getting the sense that people are getting tired of like all these shouting matches, mm. you know. So I think people are appreciating conversations more, mm. um, which is w- what you guys are doing. I think people would would be more interested in that as compared to like like someone just posting a video and like saying I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, cancel yeah. the other person. Yeah, you know. I see. Okay, mm. that's interesting. So so broadly speaking, like. Uh, uh, I mean, you said that after speaking the true love is you were dealing with some commenters, and after that you thought, okay, la, I mean, you, I mean, these people should go and just talk to the pastor himself, lah. Uh. But uh, I do realize that we are because we are content creators yep. and we we have this sort of understanding of what we all do. Um, we have that privilege, la, of being able to reach out to people and then 
because they know that we have a platform, they are willing to talk to mm. us. Got blue tick on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that helps a fuck that, yeah, bro. So, so yeah. if, you're, if you're just an average <laughs> Joe on the street, you know, you're just, you know, just doing, going about your life for that. And and you 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 want to to know more. You can't possibly arrange to meet Harish and me, arrange to meet mm. you, arrange to meet the pastor mm. and all that. Then what should they be doing? Like? They don't just not follow, not unfollowing, not blocking people. But what else can they do to be a more educated person about all these things? Uh? Okay, I think there's a difference between someone trying to learn through mm. conversation and someone trying to shove their point to you. Mm. And I think like for me, like when as when I when I engage with people over differences of opinion on my content, um, after a while you can kind of tell lah, um. Um, if and I feel like if they just really want to like argue, um, yeah. then I just don't don't see the point in in engaging, engaging. any further, la. And I mean, in your podcast, Pastor Norman said he's he's open to talk to people, so like oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're putting his feet on yeah, the floor. Yeah, right. <laughs> just DM it. Yeah, yeah, like slide into his DMs. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> no, but he is he is very open to to talk. La, I think. Yeah, and then he he very we didn't ask him, but he proactively went to our Reddit and started, you know, typing very long responses to oh, other okay. oh, yeah, yeah, essays. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would say credit to him and and, and Tao Chen for, for that. Uh. Yeah. So so one thing that I always feel, okay, I think I mentioned on the podcast about the research that shows whether homosexuality is biological, environmental and all that. And <laughs> okay. Uh, you heard so, the audible Yeah, yeah that's right. Audible. Okay, this is going to be interesting. So, so and Pastor Norman did share a link but that link is ultimately still a scientific paper. And scientific papers, as much as there's research being done, it's still written in a way that could have an agenda, could not have an agenda. So when, I, when I'm like being out of the community, I look at it, I'm like, okay, there's research either way, which is correct. I don't know what it feels. What do I think? So what is your take when you hear people? Or like, what is, what is your take on the general state of science backing one or the other? Or is it even, does it even matter? I feel like when it comes to topics like sexuality, it is such a sophisticated topic that, okay, you find this study that supports your claim, I can confirm find like other studies that support my claim. Mm. So I think at the end of the day, I feel like what we can all agree on is that same-sex attraction cannot, I mean, attraction in general cannot be helped, mm. right? Mm. But we, you, you will also understand, I think, um, even in terms of the girls that you're attracted to, is conditioned by societal, by maybe the way you grow up, um, things like that. Mm. So I think, it's a mix of nature versus uh, na- nurture. And whether it is like scientifically proven or not, um, I feel I don't feel like it's very helpful to the conversation because um, I mean, I can also pull out a study that says there are like 1,500 species that practice regular same-sex coupling, mm. right? Mm. Which shows that it is natural, natural yeah. right? So I can pull out that study also. Right? <laughs> yeah. so, so I just feel like... Um, um, when it comes to this kind of topic, is again, it's, it's uh, the difference between um, seeing someone as as an actual human being with their lived experiences as compared to like seeing a set of ideologies. Because so when you see them as like a certain ideology, then you're trying to pull up facts to like discredit their ideology. Mm. But when you're trying to see them as a person, you're trying to understand where they're coming from and their stories, then you realize that these these scientific studies um, or whatever, it's not that relevant to the conversation mm. and I was also a bit confused on that point because I did go on the Reddit thread and I did click the link to that article the study yeah. that they were saying and and there were I remember a line very clearly that said same-sex campaigners welcome that study because it shows that um, same-sex attraction is natural yeah so it's like it's almost like you can take it both ways correct right, right. so yeah. at the end of the day I feel like 
it's a matter of like, are you looking for like, like is your mind really set and you're just looking for evidence to back it up? Mm. Or like, are you really trying to listen? It's like confirmation bias. Confirmation side, right? bias, correct. Mm. So in terms of like resources that, that like be it other publications or other speakers, who would you recommend people who just want to find out more, right? Mm. Um, they look up or they just read up or any any YouTubers that do a very good job just articulating a lot of these things for someone to learn. L- learn what? Like As in le- learn more. Like basically for us, thankfully we get a chance to speak to you mm. and we have, I mean, I've learned so much in this past like 50 minutes. Um, but in general, let's say for, for politics and all, there are certain people that I listen to that I follow that force me to reconsider my beliefs. And I mentioned on a previous podcast, it's left-wing comment, left wing commentators, right-wing commentators. And I know politics is not like very different from sexuality, but in terms of resources that, that people just, that would help them think about, think through this stuff. Because you know, just now we were saying about people who want to learn, right? Uh-huh. Let's say they are listeners who want to learn. Yep. Like any any personalities or any websites, aside from dear straight people that you would recommend people, <laughs> just, <laughs> just go, and, go and look up. Oh, I feel like I don't know because nothing comes to mind particularly right mm. now um, because I also don't think that there are a lot of LGBT content creators who are, who are producing content on the LGBT community as a whole mm. I mean there are but a lot of them they might be like drag queens who are doing their own thing or like you know gay men posting their their content mm. um, but like I think yeah like, there's, there's there's still a lack of representation mm-hmm. and and visibility for okay. now i see so representation meaning like uh like what you said like the story of the gay couple uh celebrating ndp overseas so if anything you hope to also see more of stories like that uh being featured in mainstream and also on social media yeah everywhere uh, just to normalize it you know like mm. i think i'm still waiting for the day where you can see like a media corp channel 8 show where you pair where it's not like a love triangle with two guys and one girl it's like a love triangle with three guys okay so on that note another another segue into something that i also wanted to ask because you did write a piece on the whole chase stand drama uh is it that one the what the, yeah, yeah yeah the the chinese chase stand drama yeah so so because we also did a podcast about that but again like uh we were speaking from yeah not being part of the community but what was your 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 take on that whole thing like the the, the way the, the way it was kind of over like re- reduced the character to a certain few characteristics that just painted him that, in a in a in a way that and did and he died right in the end or something or he no, just no, he went to jail he went to jail yeah oh, bad ending, jail. Uh, bad ending <laughs> yeah so yeah. in terms of like media like what, what was your take on that and what yeah, or just general. Okay, I think my take for that, I think when DS World covered that, we um we covered that that topic. Um, I took quite a hard stance against it mm. because my belief is that, like, I understand, um, media censorship laws is such that you cannot have positive LGBT representation in mm. mainstream media. Mm. Um, and but then I think when you when when you when you understand that then i guess i rather not have any lgbt representation at all because i what i felt like channel 8 shows or media cop shows in general even though like uh maybe people like from our generation like to trash it but these shows still get quite a significant audience and mm. a lot of them are like the middle age like my mom right up to now right she only watches channel 8 shows or tvb dramas mm. you know um, she doesn't watch youtube she doesn't know how to navigate her way to youtube yeah. mm. so for example when my mom my mom watched that particular show mm. my guardian angels and um there was one scene where like i think um kim Eng, when she found out that her son um 
was chasing after a girl. Mm. And then she remarked like, oh, thank God, at least it's not a guy. Mm. And then the next day, my mom came up to me and she was like, ah, you see? Um, uh, like, um, she, she said when she saw that line, uh, she felt very sad and uh, she see like being gay is wrong. So so mm. you must understand that like maybe I think especially as a young person when you're consuming content from Netflix and YouTube it suddenly feels like oh there's a lot of representation um, but there are quite a significant pop, um, segment of the population who only consume this kind of content and then and then when you have like this this drama with I feel a character that is very unnecessarily gay and a pedophile and has STD um, you're kind of reinforcing that very outdated stereotype that gay men are all like um perverts mm. and that we are all going to die of HIV because mm. I think for me personally when I first came out to my, my parents like three years ago one of the first things my mom said was like she's prepared to lose me to HIV mm. so th- among their generation they still have that belief um, and and I think it doesn't help when you have these dramas because uh, I think that drama was actually quite popular like mm. um, it did receive like a fair amount of viewership and to, to perpetuate that stereotype and reinforce it when I feel like there was no need to, mm-hmm. you know, because I think in terms of representat- representation, like I think I think one of the topics, I think one of the points you raised was like, oh, would it be an issue if the person was straight? Then I feel like it would not be an issue because you have plenty of positive pre- representation of straight people on, um, the same show, Channel Eight dramas. Yeah, mm. but gay representation is oh, is pretty much non-existent, right? Mm. And and to have that single representation and make it like the worst stereotype that you can possibly get. Yeah. Then I think that um that is harmful to the community. Okay. Mm. But but just plain devil's advocate. Uh, um let's say they, they, they say that this is based on a true story. That they just happened to be really this guy who was this pedophile and everything. Mm. Then I mean, uh, would your preference that they change the sexuality or, or the, the the person the person's sexuality or what and, and and show it differently or, or how, how would you prefer that they do it like, or not or just not do this drama at all? I feel it's a matter of um, responsibility. I think that as a, as a national broadcaster, mm. there is a certain responsibility that you have, right? And I think Singapore's overarching stance is that, okay, we don't approve of the LGBT community, but we're not going to pers- persecute you. Okay. So I think in terms of media representation, when you, underst- when you follow that same line of thought, then... Um, to, to to have that that um representation whether it's true or not mm. you are adding to you are you are, you are, you are adding to a very harmful narrative mm-hmm. so in the sense that i think in terms of accountability or responsibility you either don't do it or you try to find more positive like maybe you give this character like a redemption arc mm-hmm. you know so so if i'm hearing you correctly you you are saying that as the national broadcaster they do have a responsibility as opposed to Say some someone creating a web series on YouTube. Okay, I think as any person with um a significant am- amount of reach has a certain responsibility. Mm. Um, so not just the national broadcaster, like I think even like f- as um for dear straight people, like even my personal tweets, sometimes I'm so careful about what I say. Mm. And I think for your like your like you know, or even in Siash's example, you are not just airing your views. Yeah, you have like hundred thousand followers or whatever shit. Um, so it's you cannot simplify. Oh, I'm just talking talking about because the minute you're a public figure or you have a significant influence, you have that responsibility mm-hmm. um, to your platform, and you need to understand that whatever you say is is not the same as like compared to someone with like 10, 10 followers. You know. Mm. Yeah. I see. And do you think do you think enough people feel that way? Because I know uh, quite a few people 
I guess including Siashwe herself who would say that you know people can choose to follow me or not mm. and I didn't know, I didn't, <laughs> yeah. you know she said she literally said I mean uh, who actually goes and thinks about every tweet that they put out there la. I think she says 80% of the time she just tweets she doesn't really think so much about it which I mean for me is alien because we don't even use Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> we have so, an account. We have an account. So Once in a while, we're like, you know what? We should fucking get on Twitter. Tweet, tweet, yeah. tweet, tweet, tweet. Two years, don't tweet anything. Yeah. 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 You're talking about general, not just not yeah. general. General, general. general. Yeah. Because I mean, you are a content creator with a following, mm. right? Yeah. We also have our views on that. And I just want to hear your views on, on that. La. Whether pers- people, it should, like, they do have an additional responsibility given their following, or, or whether it's fair for them to say, you know, I don't force people to follow me. They yeah. follow me because of who I am. I think that, I think that in general, especially in a place like Singapore, you're kind of taught, conditioned from young that you take responsibility for what you say, mm. right? Um, you know, so true. you cannot like just suddenly say, oh, I just say what I want, you're not happy, you don't read that, mm. right? Then I think that's quite similar to what Trulavi said also, like, oh, we just put the video out, you don't, you just skip it, lor. Mm. <laughs> but, mm, correct, correct. Um, so I, I feel like in a way that you're, you're smoking your way around the issue mm. I think that as long as you have, I feel like anyone with a reach has a reach for a reason you mm. know and you you probably understand how to how to create content that, that is popular mm. you know I, I, I always feel like no one no one becomes popular by accident um, so if you understand the how content works and you understand that then you should also understand the responsibility that comes with that. Mm. Mm. So in terms of uh, I just I just thought of your your own story coming up because I did read uh, when you posted about it as okay. well. Uh. So um, in terms of that whole experience, uh, like and and it was only a couple of years ago. Like, it wasn't even yeah, that yeah, long. It was ago. quite recent. <laughs> so and so you, that means you actually started your platform before you actually came out uh, entirely to your your own family. Is it? Oh yeah. So I ran I ran this report like anonymously for like three years. Oh, okay. So during that three years where I ran it, I, I didn't share like a single article or, or video on my own Facebook page. Okay. Wow. So mm. so no one knew apart from like a, a handful of people. Yeah. And then when I, I came out to my family like three years ago in 2017, yeah. and then like two months later, I came out publicly. Yeah. But can can just talk through like why you, like, I mean, I, I know it's on the blog and everything, but mm. just uh, talk through a bit about your decision process behind, behind that. Like how was it like living so-called anonymously running dear white, uh, dear straight people, <laughs> dear straight people. And then also, you know, um, having, having to hide something from your family and all. I think um, when I was doing it anonymously, it was, it was, um, it was difficult in a sense because I think the only thing stopping me from coming out was my parents. Because mm. you know, I've already disappointed them with my career choice. Then now, like, <laughs> the disappointment. <laughs> we, 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 we know the pain. We know the pain. We're on the same page. Don't worry, don't worry. So, so for me, it was really that. And I think running anonymously, it was a bit difficult as well. Because there were a lot of people who didn't understand who and who was running this. Like, a lot of people think that it was a company, like a proper mm. company with mm. a team, but it was not like. Um. So so that but, but then at the same time, I also. I was qu- I was quite proud of the content that I was producing through the street people, um, mm. and I also wanted to take ownership of it. So mm. that was the one reason why I decided to come out publicly, la. And mm. I also think in in the in the sense when you come out publicly, it's a lot easier to do things, la. Like mm. back then, if I wanted to do a video and I needed someone to speak, I need to go and find someone. Oh. And sometimes you need to pay people, mm. you know. But when you're doing it yourself, you you're doing it for free, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. But then your 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 family. 
my family okay my parents are not like very technologically savvy so mm. they don't even have Facebook mm. so they, they, they roughly know like I do some website but they don't really understand what it is mm-hmm. and even now up to now I don't think that they really know what my job is mm. um you know, as long as I don't ask them for money, it's good. Uh. No, the decision <laughs> to come out to your family. Oh, the decision you, you come out to your family. You okay. public, yeah. Oh, so I, I, okay, I feel like as my parents, they have the responsibility to know. Um, mm. Because obviously it's going to affect their lives, uh, you know. I think like, especially as parents, um, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, about, I can't speak for other people, but I feel like if I'm going to have a son or a daughter, even before they're born, I have like a whole vision of their life really. Mm. Right, and obviously you will imagine grandchildren. In yep. that picture. Yep. And like your son with a wife. So I feel like I had the responsibility to kind of tell them. Mm. Um, which is why I knew that I was always going to come out to them. But it was just a matter of when. Mm. So when I did come out to them, um, like um, they, like my, my, my dad cried. My mom was like, you know, very upset. And, mm. and it took them, like it took, up to now they're still not okay with it. Mm. Um, but I mean there's a bit of progress la, like mm. a bit um, mm. but in the sense they're still very not okay with the fact that I'm gay and, and that kind of thing la, which I think is quite a normal reaction so I think one of the things that they said was also like they're okay if I don't marry a girl but just don't marry a guy mm, I see, I see. which is in a sense very similar to what happened? true love is yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean it's interesting like, because you know you're running the publication but you also it's not like it's it's like day one you started and you were out and out and proud and everything uh. really like, and you also had to struggle with a lot of things within the family. So it, you are living evidence that videos made like by True Love is and representations of, of gay people in national broadcasted media does have real effects on, on people's relations within the family. Like. It does, it does. Yeah. And I think even for me personally, like like there was, I think one of my earliest videos that I did was an interview of a mom, mother of two gay sons. Mm. And that video, I showed it to my parents, you know, in a, in an effort to try to get them to understand. Mm. So so in terms, so I think like, for example, like what True Lovis is doing, I'm sure that there are Christian parents out there who are yeah. watching those videos and reinforcing that concept and making it harder for them to reconcile with their child. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because, because it's a real thing because I do know older Christians who are now they are starting to talk about this concept of homosexuality, uh, you know, the sin versus acting on it being the sin and everything. And it's starting to be introduced into churches la, slowly from what I'm hearing. La. Mm. Uh, even amongst like, I'm talking about pioneer generation kind of churches, you know. So, uh, it, I mean, as much as true love is, is they say, yeah, la, we it's only for all those people who are struggling a bit. But what I'm hearing is that, you know, straight, older Singaporeans also are starting to hear of this true love is and what they're talking about. So there is a real effect on what how people view still view homosexuality as a sin as a, as opposed to, you know, just something that that is completely natural, like, you know, thousand five hundred other animal species have it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so then how what would you say to people who say that, okay, you know, true love dot is uh videos are offensive to a certain demographic, but what about Ping dot videos aren't they also offensive to I don't know very religious people? So aren't they the same? To <laughs> 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 those listening, you can't see uh, Sean's reaction, uh, but yeah, yeah picture he's paints a thousand up, words. Uh. Took a deep, deep breath and he's warming up. <laughs> okay, I feel like when people say that you're ignoring the obvious disparity in power. Mm. Okay, religious freedoms and rights are protected. Um, LGBT rights are not, and 
they are also criminalized. And then there's also the matter of disparity in resources, mm. right? Like ping, like True Lovies have like th- th- 10 to 20k to just blow on the video. Mm. The LGBT community does not have that kind of resources. Mm. Um, and I, but I think most importantly, it is the the fact that the LGBT community is marginalized and that we have very little visibility and representation. Mm. And True Love is videos, whether intentional or not, they add to that narrative that the LGBT community is like a deviant lifestyle or that it's immoral. Mm. Um, so you cannot treat these two as the same. I think if you want to treat these two like um, like, like what Harish said earlier, then it's the same people that 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 say, you know, when you say white life, when you say black lives matter, then you say white lives uh, matter. Also, uh, to me, it's mm. like it's almost a, it's a very similar analogy. Okay, because so you're ignoring the disparity in power. So it's interesting to say you say that because earlier on you did say after speaking to True Love is your stance is a bit more moderate. It is so, more moderate. Yeah. So then, how do you how do you reconcile that? Because if if I were just to hear that, and my first impression is okay, you you still feel that they are doing stuff against a marginalized community um, in some way? No, I don't feel like they're doing... I think that they are catering to a very specific segment of the population, but they also need to be take responsibility for the wider effects of what they're doing. I see. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Because yeah, I think once you see that, then it... So, uh, because it helps me frame my thoughts as well. They, they uh, They have the right to in some way to make the content they do, but they cannot shy away from the fact that they might be having these negative effects. Correct. And do you think they are shying away from from that? I think, I mean, just my general impression of the, the conversation that you had with them, I think the, it, it, they are. La, like, mm. like for, and even with my conversations with them, like they were not, for example, um, they were not happy with certain terminology that I use, like, like celibate. Mm. But maybe it sounds very harsh. Yeah, but yeah. then my opinion is that you cannot preach that acting on same-sex attraction is wrong and then go on to like um, deny responsibility for the fact that by your sub- by people following that belief they are, they are going celibate. to end up celibate right mm. it is like a natural implication so it, so I if I think that there's a need to kind of take responsibility for the wider implications of whatever you're preaching and yeah. whatever that you're putting out on the internet Mm. Okay. Look, I, I, I think there was a word you used that was a very loaded word uh, power uh, power mm. um, so because I, I know there's also a segment of, of people who nowadays when they hear you know all disparity in power in race and all these things then they just switch off already uh, they're like oh, yeah, crazy <laughs> crazy leftist all that but, but there is a there's a difference uh, right like because yeah. like you said there is 377A which uh-huh. literally criminalizes mm. homosexual uh, activity um, but versus race or versus other kinds of things, there isn't. It's not so outright blatant, blatant like, right? This power disparity. So, so when you use the word power, like um, uh, I, I just trying to to parse it out for the audience. Huh? Mm. Is it is it's not similar to what the discussions about power between racial racial relations are and all that, huh? right? If if I'm if I'm getting you correctly. I mean, not not similar like line by line, but like, okay. but overarchingly, because I think like in terms of like rights, mm-hmm. you cannot deny the fact that LGBT community in Singapore suffer from from lack of rights. Yeah, you know? correct. Um, yeah. That, 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 so we're saying that that is in black and white. Correct, it's that a is law in black and, and white. Yeah. So we're not just talking about three seven seven. We're talking about the fact that I can't BTO. Yeah, you know? correct. And housing is like a huge issue for the LGBT community. Mm. Um, like you either rent or you or you or you become rich enough 
oh, you go and find someone rich. So like, it, it is, uh, it, and it's, it's like a real problem, you know, mm-hmm. um, housing and, and there's a lot of other, other implications that, that certain policies kind of seep into the LGBT community. La. So, mm. so that's what I mean by disparity in power. So this is not like, um, it's, we're not talking about either, we're talking about like actual, actual, yeah. implications mm. and we're not downplaying any racial yep. any yeah. racial different uh, uh, yeah, inequality like yeah, yeah, yeah. what the fuck man <laughs> no, no, we're not <laughs> downplaying room, okay? what we're trying to say is that I think <laughs> even even for anybody logical person just looking at the law and realizing like when your partner dies you know who is the person that is legally allowed mm. to be by his bedside in the hospital and things like that those those, those are things that will affect uh, LGBT couples uh, for example right. you know so it, it's, it's quite a it's, it's it's a very real thing that I think uh, there are a lot of examples out there that you can so, show. So then uh, just to go back into the point we were talking about the scientific papers, okay? <laughs> okay? His <laughs> no, obsession no, with it. Yeah. He, needs, no, he, needs, no, he needs this article. No, no, because like, okay, do you think that right now, okay, that you can, of course, there are many ways to look at racial relations, racial policies, but there are quantifiable steps that can be taken to to kind of take put affirmative action into place, sedition, seditious laws and all. And to me, from an outsider, it feels like there will be one school of thought that says, okay, you want to be TO, then don't be, don't be LGBT. Eh? Because, because there's, yeah, like I'm sure, like I know that sounds horrible. I feel horrible saying it. I feel horrible saying it, but there are people who believe that, confirm, right? And I think, oh, the looks I'm getting yeah, from yeah, Terrence and Sean. Yeah, yeah. No, because don't you think that, that, that research in the area, um, I mean, I don't know. The research is still out there and it's still inconclusive. Do you still think that research, um, should go on or they can research whatever they want just to determine for a fact. Because the thing about race, you can't deny someone is Indian. You can't mm. deny someone is Chinese. Mm. And it feels right now, the crux of it is that, like when we, was talking, when we were talking to True Love is right, one thing that dawned upon me was that it's very hard to convince them because they already start from the point that acting on same-sex uh, attraction is wrong. Yep. And there's nothing to tell them otherwise because everything feels like what you said, like there's confirmation bias wherever you look. But for race, you can't deny that someone is of a certain race. There's a way to prove it. And I say it in, in air quotes, do you think that that could help the conversation or scientific research is still, it's not going to end up in anywhere. People can choose what they want to research. Um, and, and, and what's your take on, on whatever I just said to explain the looks that you're giving me? Eh? Okay, no, I feel like, okay, if you're going to go back to that scientific study, like maybe I read that report wrong, but it didn't conclude that. Oh no, I'm saying like, right. I'm guessing that there's an area of research in that area, mm. right? Um, the cynical side of me is like, okay, that's all political. The research is all just, they have an agenda. They go in, they find the data that backs it up. Um, and to, to push the agenda. But the optimistic side of me is, like, okay, maybe if there is some way to determine, guys, it's fucking physiological, it's biological, can you all just shut the fuck up and give these people the rights they deserve? Like? Yeah, so so what I'm saying is that, like, is there that sort of, uh, do you see some, do you resonate a bit with that, with that belief? Or to you, science and people as as a culmin- uh, as a summation of everything they've experienced is more, more of the, the way to look at things, like? Then I guess it boils down to the question of like, so if it is proven mm. that your sexuality is a result of environmental factors, mm. then does it mean that you are straight away, it's okay to deny you of all these rights, that you're a second class citizen? Because mm. the outcome is still the same, like you can't help it, mm. right? Like does it yeah. really matter what caused it? I mean, if you're going on this topic. I don't know, I don't know. But I feel that right now the conversation 
just talking to people who are so vehemently against it like I guess true love is like, like they, they will be the best example because mm-hmm. they are someone I've conversed with I found it like the struggle I had after that I was like I still disagree with them but I don't know how to articulate it I think a large part is because they already start from the fact they have the fact in their mind yep. um, and there's nothing to kind of concludely ref- uh, conclusively refute that la. I mean my, my thought was that that discussion of true love is inevitably it will come down to do you believe that the Bible is authority yeah, on everything yeah, exactly. and that one we, we can argue until like the yeah. next year so <laughs> yeah, nothing will cannot, happen yeah, so, so it's like I think like uh, you know Pastor Norman he, he shared the story of he had mental health mm. issues like depression or that so I mean he, he, listen to it I mean I, I definitely sympathize with him all but yeah like, just the equation of having struggling with sexuality being a mental health issue or that it immediately, you know, paints it to be like a, a bit of a negative thing already, mm. la, which I think is the is the, a big issue that, that we have here. Like why why is it constantly seen as a negative thing? Yeah, as as yeah. opposed to just it is what it is, you know, like is nature and is natural and everything. La. Yeah. So so is yeah. La. For for me it was I saw our conversation as uh, unless unless you really want to call the armies to to fight the, the, the Bible and all yeah, that. Or God hard. can join us in, <laughs> join us as a, guys, hard, come on, we have a third, yeah. yes, God. <laughs> That'll be dope. Yeah. So I guess, just now wasn't so much of a question, was mm-hmm. just a sharing of a sentiment of mine, trying to kind of put a finger on why I left that podcast feeling like, mm, there's, mm, there's something that mm. I couldn't, I couldn't wiggle out of. Yeah. So, yeah. so good. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, so, so I guess, yeah. I mean, not asking for an answer, but uh-huh. I just thought that that would be something that I've observed and whether you have any thoughts on that. Like, um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, for people who are really very against the LGBT community, I feel it is always an emotional response. Mm. Like, it's just that they find it gross when they see two guys kissing. Like, that's it. Mm. You know? Mm. Like, I think, even if you look at 377A, it only penalizes two guys, but it doesn't penalize two girls. Because mm. yeah. I think generally straight guys uh, turned on by like <laughs> two mm. girls kissing, right? The concept of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, yeah, so so that, I totally agree that it, it feels like it's an emotional thing. But I think that's where it's harder to, I don't know, when things become, when arguments become emotional, I just find it like it's not going to go anywhere because there's no right. way to convince each other. Like. Yeah. And I think what I'm, I'm, I was hoping for at the end of that is like just pulling out something like, yo, Pastor Norman, look at this, you know, and all that. But that sort of stuff doesn't, don't know whether it'll ever exist, but that was one of the things that I found like, okay, then it's a very, it's a debate on, yeah, emotions and almost your eloquence. Mm. So well, dear, I, dear Harish, life isn't so <laughs> black and white, unfortunately. Hey, hey, why, 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 huh? why, why must bring race into this again? Huh? huh? Oh, wow. Well, just talk black and white only suddenly about race. Right? Power disparity. Yeah, power disparity. Yeah. I think when, I mean, if you're, you're looking at the example of Pastor Norman, then I think it's really based on religious beliefs uh, yeah. and like mm. you said religious beliefs is based on faith uh, it's not based on yeah. fact and, yeah. and because of that it's just it's just very difficult to argue I think it's more of a matter of like um, at what um, to what extent should these beliefs apply to like the, and affect the lives of the wider community because because mm. I think in terms of the what True Lovis is doing what they're doing in if you want to talk about implications, its largest implication is on the wider LGBT community, mm. right? It's not just on Christians. Correct. So correct. it's about to what extent should um should they take that into account, lah, into what they're okay. doing. So so then then what do you foresee? Okay, you have been through five years being like like um plugged into the whole advocacy of LGBT mm. LGBT issues. What do you foresee the next five years being like? Yeah, I feel like I I think 
um, there, I feel like there's, like I said, there's a bit of fatigue when it comes to like shouting matches. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, I think conversations is one way that I, I see the whole community is going to. And I also think that is maybe why podcasts are like becoming more popular. Um, people want to have a more sophisticated understanding of things. Mm. Right. And I think in that sense, podcast is the is the is the easiest way to, to do that. Uh. So that's what I see happening for the next five years. At least that is where how I see I'm I'm doing it. Mm. Uh me meaning dear straight people, I don't know what, what, what other other communities are doing. And okay. on the spectrum of optimistic versus pessimistic, and this one I know that you're coming also from a space of advocacy. Um but are you able to answer the question where you're leaning towards the situation? Uh, like in terms of what like LGBT rights or like yeah, LGBT or, or rights only if I can just be yeah. just specific like this this past election and everything like what were your overall what's your overall feeling about everything like you know my overall feeling was that it was a bit sad that like um the LGBT community was so taboo that mm. like no one wanted to address correct, it correct. Yeah. even even opposition <laughs> parties true. even yeah. opposition parties literally skipped questions yeah. about LGBT yeah. communities uh, which is which is sad, lah. <laughs> yeah. Why, 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 why do you think it's they they don't dare to even? Okay, so there was one politician, if I don't remember his name wrongly, it was Terence Soon from mm. the PSP, mm. uh, Tantrang Box Party, and he did like an Instagram Q and A thing. Mm. Okay, and someone asked him of, of his opinion on three seven seven A, and he replied positively. He said that okay, I support three seven seven A. Then after that, like, um, he he that whole Q and A section, he he added it to his IG highlights. But that particular question, he deleted it like two hours Ooh. later. And then obviously the LGBT community, the minute you get wind of that, there was one one segment that was like, oh my God, power, uh, PSP supports LGBT rights. Like let's not vote for them. And then there's there, the other segment, which is the LGBT community is like, oh, they they support, um, like kudos to them, they are a progressive party. Mm. Right, then after that, cause the pressure got so loud that um, PS, um, PSP eventually issued an official statement on that topic saying that, uh, they 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 believe in equality but also this is a very tricky subject. I think it's best mm. not to talk. So it's basically like saying nothing. Yeah. Like, covering uh, their ass. Yeah, covering yeah. their ass. So yeah, I think in what was the question? <laughs> no, no, just general because we're talking about optimism and yeah. everything. Oh, okay. I would to say anchor it in like yeah. the next elections. Like, that's so a five, five year years. Time like, 2015 yeah. was one election. 2020 was one. So in the next five years. Or is like, this the campaign for Sean Fu 2025? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We announced it here. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> Okay, I think if we're talking about election, I don't foresee it becoming like a topic, a topic of mm. interest um in the next five years. And I also think maybe because this election was held in the midst of the pandemic, so everyone's immediate priority was um economic livelihood, mm. right? Um, and I feel like if you look around um in countries that where there is significant LGBT rights, it's because the LGBT community has become like a political subject. Mm. I think right now. In Singapore, it is just, it's like a, it's a, it's more of a social topic lah. Like it's mm. good for content, um, but in terms of politics, it's not a, it's not an important enough subject that people. So want that's to almost about. like a a milestone lah. The moment it becomes in the political sphere, mm. you it's becoming more legitimate lah, as a as a topic to consider. I I, I guess so. Yeah, that that's one way to 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 phrase it. Um, but it's just a matter of like whether Singapore in general cares enough about mm. this topic. Because mm. I think right now, um, obviously the reason why politicians are steering away from this topic is probably because they feel like they're not going to get anything out of 
tackling this subject and like not enough people care about this mm. you know? mm. but I think for example if like during the election I think if you were raised out the LGBT issues people would be like who cares about the LGBT rights now it's like we all losing jobs mm. you know mm. like return of CPF like these are more like pertinent issues la. and yeah. I also think it's partly because um, as an Asian society you are more focused on very practical matters as compared to like ideological ones mm. so which which countries around Asia do you see have made the most progress on LGBT rights I'm guessing Taiwan is one of them Taiwan that. Thailand next Thailand uh, India India they repeal they repeal but India is so big and so diverse that I don't know whether that represents the sentiments of the whole country mm. yeah I mean I'm not that in touch with um the the nature behind the repeal of this mm-hmm. in, in India but I think in Thailand is but Thailand has always been a very open yeah. open open country so I think it's not that surprising mm. I see I see wow. so so then in terms of like like um so so first of all people if they want to read your content they go to dear straight people yeah. um where where anything else you want to you want to say that maybe you haven't had a chance to say in other interviews or other articles or or something like to noob cis trans uh, cis males uh, not <laughs> cis trans fuck that, that would totally negate everything I learned <laughs> this episode cis males cis females or anyone who is trying to wrap their head around this right anything yeah. that you want to you want to you want to say to them wait, wait wrap their head around what as like, in just like like um, how this whole uh, broad spectrum of LGBT issues in Singapore, mm-hmm. um, their thoughts. Like, like for me, after I had the interview with uh, True Love Is, I was thinking so much, this has been very enlightening and I found this very useful and I think it's just helping my thoughts on it evolve and become more concrete. Mm-hmm. So for people who are looking for similar stuff, is there something that you want to, I don't know, you want to you wanna, you wanna say to them or? I mean, I feel like because um, um, I think the LDB community is a very diverse community and and I think that if like people feel like maybe certain segments of the community is not being represented well, then then I definitely encourage you all to like write in or whatever. And I'll be happy to like feature you either as um because I think not everything on this revolt is by me. Mm. I, I do feature like um contributions from whoever. So I think okay. like um obviously certain segments of of the of the community is harder for me to cover because I'm not that familiar with these specific communities. Okay. Mm. So I think if you feel very strongly, like you feel that, oh, like yeah, I want to talk about certain topics, like maybe like gender identity, like maybe, oh, mm. Sean, you're wrong. It's not just cis and trans. There's others. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Reach out to me and I'll be happy. And how, how, what would be the best way to reach out to you? Instagram, email or? Email. Email. Mm. email. And you can find that on the, on the, on your website. Yeah. Which is what? Cool. What, I mean. Dear straight people. Uh, at dot G- com. Oh, no, uh, the email is admin at dearstreetpeople.com admin at dearstreetpeople.com oh fantastic cool but cool but thanks yeah. man like I really feel like we needed this yeah because, God, I've learned fucking so much yeah we've been talking so much <laughs> about it but then actually just to be able to hear from someone who's actually out there creating content and, and, and understanding like um, you know what, how to have you know a discussion about these issues without shouting at each other it's 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 been very and helpful. And the stuff for that us, uh. I asked was also based in some way what I've been seeing on Reddit, the discussions there. Mm-hmm. So it's great to hear your perspective also. Yeah. And when we post this on Reddit, hopefully there's a constructive discussion <laughs> there. Um and yeah, I mean, uh in future we also want to have conversations like this. So if anyone's listening has specific questions or thoughts, please share it in the Reddit and then we'll just take it from there. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Thank Thanks you so for much having for coming. Me so man. Much. Cool. All right. And to everyone listening. 
Uh, yeah, head on over to our subreddit. It would be great if you if you could just share this podcast with one person if you found it interesting. Even if you don't like it, just share it with someone whose day you want to spoil. So, I mean, share it with uh, someone who, who watches True Love his videos also, yeah. like, right? I mean, this is really, really like, I mean, yeah. actually, not really a joke, but Share also, it with Pastor Norman and Toh Chen also. Oh, for sure. I think they, they will definitely listen, listen, listen to it. it. Because yeah. I, feel, I feel this is a very, uh, even just for you and me, just a very interesting way to unpack yes, our experiences yeah. of, of talking to true love is. And for, for, for Sean as well, I think. Yeah. You know. Cool. All right. Thank okay, you. Thank, thank you. you for listening. Peace.